welcome to Bangor Community Church Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed today as you hear the Word of God. Well, it's my pleasure to be able to introduce uh, Mitch to you. As I say, Mitch uh, leads out Crown Jesus Ministries. He stands in the office of an evangelist. He is well known all around these aisles and, and further than those aisles as well. And uh, it was probably a month ago or just a bit longer that God placed in our heart to invite Mitch in. So I'm so excited. Get out your notebook, get out your pen and listen. Open your heart, open your ears. Don't be distracted because God has a word for each one of us today. Amen. Let's welcome him, church. Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, so good to be with you this morning. Um, uh, David and the gang, they did such a good job with their worship, didn't they? And, you know, if you're a visitor today, you're maybe thinking, gosh, it's a bit long, you know. We're not really not used to singing that many songs. Would one song not do, or would two songs, you know, not be enough? But uh, when you come to Resurrection Sunday, you should be able to sing all day. Come on. We should be in a place where if we're, we know the power of Jesus and we know the person of Jesus, and we know what the resurrection means for us. We should be in a position where we could sing all day. I remember being in the Loudoun Bar. If you're a Glasgow Rangers fan in here, you might know of that bar. It's a fairly notorious bar. And after the match, we probably sung for five or six hours. In fact, in my enthusiasm at one point, I took out a flag and stood on top of the stained glass window. Very religious. A stained glass window of a famous Rangers player called Davy Cooper, and I got up and stood in front of the stained glass window to put a flag up, and the bouncers were nearly going to kick me out. My enthusiasm got the better of me. I remember being with Noah when Chelsea won the champion or won the Premiership at Stamford Bridge. Any Chelsea, fan, Chelsea fans in the room? Just one, just one. And there was a bunch of us from Northern Ireland and Texas in his enthusiasm. Texas ran onto the pitch with a flag to give the DDA drug work and he got arrested. You see, sometimes your enthusiasm can get the better of you. I was at the Nouveau Camp Stadium when Chelsea played Barcelona and we got beat. But we still sang for two and a half hours after the match. Even when we got beat, because your enthusiasm just gets the better of you. And there is no better day to celebrate Jesus than Goosebump Sunday, than Resurrection Sunday. Can I hear an amen to that? And those songs that we sang this morning, I'll tell you, David and the band, you did such a good job. Oh, we're free, free, forever we're free. I, I felt like I was singing that like a parrot, you know, it felt like it was a little bit of an Irish diddly D coming out. We're free, free, forever we're free. Come join the song of all the redeemed. There's an invitation. If you're in that song, there's an invitation. If you're not a Christian, the Christian is the people we talk about is the redeemed. I'll explain that to you in a moment. And here's the invitation. We're free, free, forever we're free. Come join the song of all the redeemed. Yes, we're free, free forever. Amen. When death was arrested and my life began, death was arrested. What does that mean? When the, the, the band, uh, I'm trying to think what you call the band, North Point, was it? When they wrote that death was arrested, 
They were looking back on scripture, looking back at what happened on Resurrection Sunday. This is what happened. Jesus stood and declared. He said it in John 14. As Lazarus came out of the tomb, he said what? I am the resurrection and the life. He who believeth in me, though he were dead, so shall he live. Death, you're arrested. You're going into the tomb. It's resurrection day. I love Christmas because Christmas is a time when Jesus came out of the womb. But I love resurrection day because today's the day he came out of the tomb. How good is that? How good is that? That we can gather today and worship a resurrected Savior. Um, you know, I, I first came to this church. I tried to look back at my notes. I'm pretty sure I've got notes on it somewhere. Uh, about 20 years ago, and there was... Uh, it was a prophetic meeting, and myself and a friend, a mutual friend of ours, Phil, invited me down, and James, and we came. The place was packed, and we sat up. The sign desk was over in that corner, and we, we arrived a bit late, always arrived late, and we were at the back. Um, and I'm saying this for, from, from my reflection on that night. I don't know who was the speaker. I tried to find my notes. It was a prophetic conference. I remember that much. But I don't remember this speaker. There was a guest speaker, a big crowd for the guest speaker. Do you know who I remembered from that night? One person, Pastor Nabi. Because I came in, and right from the start, I seen this gentleman get up at the front, and he gave a warm welcome to everyone. He was pastoral and loving. He took time with people afterwards. And I remember thinking, now that's a pastor. Now that's a pastor. And then about uh, 11 Years ago or so, we did a project on Bangor, and I had a privilege of connecting with the, the Nabi family again, and Pastor John, it was once again, now there's a pastor. And I was away from Bangor maybe about a year, and a friend of mine, Barry, phoned me and said, Mitch, I'm moving to Bangor. I need a church. Can you, can you tell me where I should go? And I phoned Jonathan, and I said, Jonathan, I've got a friend moving to Bangor. Can you look after him? I know you'll look after him. And uh, Barry's on bass guitar today. Because there's, a, there's something in this church that just says we love people. And there's so much potential in this church. And it's an honor for me on you know, Easter Sunday after the death of, of Pastor Nabi to come and just to, to be on this platform. And I want to honor him today and I want to honor this church and what I have to share. I looked at the pictures last week. I don't know if you can see them for wherever you are in the church. But you know, the two pictures that I looked at them and I thought there's two messages there, isn't there? And, I, and this is what I had in my head. The, the first picture says this. I love you. I'm your pastor. And the second picture is, I love you enough to tell you. I love you, but I love you enough to tell you. There is a hell to shun, and there is a heaven to gain. I love you enough to tell you that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and there's only one way to heaven, and it's through Jesus Christ. And I love you enough to tell you because the Bible says, you see his Bible in his hand, I love you enough to tell you that Jesus is the only way. He's the truth. And he's the life. And you know, maybe you're here today and you're like, well, I used to be a Christian or I'm not sure I'm a Christian or I'm not a Christian. I'm not even sure if I'm into this stuff. I'm praying for you today. And I have been praying for you all this week that this would be your resurrection day. This would be the day when you come alive because you're kind of stuck in habits and sin and you're not happy with your life. You know, you might be happy to a moment, but you know, that your life's not complete. I was 19 years of age, 19 years of age, and I was happy. I enjoyed the drugs and the alcohol and the wrong relationships, and I had a great bunch of friends. 
But I knew that my life was not complete. I knew there was something missing. And at 19 years of age, in the quietness of my own room, I'm going to pray a prayer at the end of this, about two hours' time. Don't panic. Um, I'm going to pray a little prayer, just like I did from this book, and I invite you today to make Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior. I'm not here today to to dazzle people with uh, information. I'm not even here to make friends. I'm here to win souls. You bring an evangelist in, this is what an evangelist does. You don't bring an evan- you don't bring a center forward onto your football team and ask him to do nets. When you bring an evangelist into your church, I have one thing in mind. I want to reach lost people, people in here today, and I want to do it with the same spirit that Pastor Nabi had to say, I love you enough to tell you that Jesus has a plan for your life. He's got a purpose for your life. And today you can turn it around. Jesus is only one prayer away. One prayer away. Your revival is just one prayer away. He's as close as a mention of his name. All you have to do today is say, Jesus, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, help me. He's one prayer away. And he can change your life. You know, I, I, I said 10, 11 years ago when I was down in Bangor, and uh, don't tell the other churches I said this, but, and I didn't say it to all of the churches. I said, if I lived in Bangor, I'd come to this church. And, uh, I'm looking now, and you've got all your fancy lights and all the stuff in now. I'd still be the same. If I lived in Bangor, I'd come to this church. You've got great potential in this church. I'm a great worship team. And, and I'm believing and trusting God. You know, I, I was praying into this week, and I felt, I felt the Spirit just put something in. You can weigh it up whether it was, it's a prophetic word or whether it's too much pizza. That's for you as a leadership to weigh it up. But I felt the Lord pressing on my heart that, as you move towards Pentecost Sunday, you're going to see something of the Holy Spirit move across your church. I'm trusting the Lord that there'll be a move of the Holy Spirit in here today. But I think there's something God's doing and stirring towards Pentecost Sunday as, as the nation starts to come out of this mess. You know, this, you know, COVID didn't come from God. A hundred percent. Some people say to me, how do you know that COVID didn't come from God? I'll tell you how I know. Because I follow Jesus. And Jesus never put his hands on a well person and made them sick. Jesus put his hands on sick people and made them better. Jesus didn't go, but he didn't curse anybody and make them sick. I know a good father in heaven. And a good father in heaven doesn't send a plague that kills mostly people over the age of 82. What sort of good God would do that? It's absolutely not for him, from him. I know that heaven is a place where there is no sickness, where there is no suffering, where there is no pain, and where there is no sorrow. So when Jesus teaches me to pray, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Then that has got to be a kingdom where there is no sickness and there is no disease. Absolutely not from God. But I'll tell you what I do know. I do know this, that God uses everything for his purposes and his plans. I know the devil has meant this for evil. God is using it for good. Amen? God is using it for good because all of a sudden, people are starting to ask questions. People are starting to ask, what's life all about? They're looking for answers. They're asking questions about truth. What is truth? Meaning, morality, origin, destiny, meaning, why am I here? Morality, what is right? What is wrong? Origin, where did I come from? Destiny, when I die, where am I going? People are asking these questions today in the midst of the pandemic, and God is using it for good. From September to December this year, on the streets of Belfast, every Monday afternoon, we, we reach out to people, and we ask them this question, excuse me, do you believe in prayer? 
It's a yes or no, and we have a conversation from there, praying with people, leading them into a relationship with Jesus. Between September and the beginning of December, we've seen almost 100 people come to faith in Jesus on the street, praying a prayer of salvation. Now, if you think that's amazing, and it is, that's, that's God, but there's something more significant than that. Statistically, over those people who responded, the vast majority were young men between the ages of 17 and 32. The ones who would have said, well, I'll not use the language, you'd have used colorful words on the way past, are now the ones who are saying, what's going on? What's happening in the world? Where is God in all of this? Where is my life heading? People who are struggling with addiction and they're needing help. And Jesus Christ still has the answer. I know of no predicament in the world, no situation, no problem where Jesus Christ is not the answer. That's why it says in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because it's the power of God on the salvation. Amen? It's the power of God on the salvation. There is nothing, nothing beyond God's reach. His arm is extendable wherever the prodigal is, wherever you are today. Whether you're backslidden and you're bluffing it, you know, you can bluff it. You can bluff it with me, but you can't bluff it with God. You can come up on a Sunday and sing all your songs and, and play the game, but God sees the heart. And if you're bluffing it in your heart today, today's the day, because the arm of the Lord is extendable onto you. There is nothing, nothing that God cannot do for you today. Can I hear an amen? Come on, I thought you were a Pentecostal church. Help me out with that. Can you hear an amen? You know, uh, a number of years ago, I was asked to speak in, in Queen's University, at a Queen's University CU. They said, we're having a, like a, what do they call it, like an X-Factor night, where we're going to have different bands on the stage having a competition. And then it's when the judges decide who's the best band, could you come up and, and share the gospel? And I said, I'd, I'd love to do that. How many do you think you get? They said, well, we don't know. We're just going to advertise it. So about two days beforehand, they phoned me. They said, we've got a problem. I said, what's the problem? We forgot to put on the poster that it was uh, organized by the Christi Christian Union. So everybody's coming. And I went, well, that's not a problem. And they said, well, I'm glad you're getting up to preach and not me. And I thought, well, thanks for your enthusiasm. But thought, I'm all over that. That's where I want to be. I'm an evangelist. And people thought, how is he going to handle this? We had over 1,100 students packed in the, I can't remember what you call that hall, Mandela Hall or Whitlow Hall or before you go into Queens on the right-hand side, help me out, what do you call that? We'll just call it Big Hall for now, right? Big Hall, packed out, and I got onto the stage, and everybody's kind of going, right, what's he going to say? And here is my first words, and these are very important words. I hate religion. And I need you to know today, I hate religion. Religion is about a list of rules and systems to try and reach God. Christianity is God coming down to us in a form of his son. Religion bind, binds people up. Religion makes you like puffed up with ego and pride and says, I'm better than you. I'm sick and tired of religion. I'm sick and tired of what religion has done to our country. I'm not into religion. I'm into Jesus. And I shared with people that night, I hate religion but I love Jesus. And I shared with them the difference. The majority of people in the room were Catholic. And at the end, they gave me a standing ovation. Well, not a standing, they gave me an ovation at the end. People thought they were going to throw tomatoes at me and like take me out the back and like, you know, feed me to the lands. Completely the opposite. Why was that? Because they're looking for meaning, morality, purpose in their life. And you find it in the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus is alive. 
Jesus is alive. You know, Resurrection Sunday is the most significant day in the history of the world. In the history of the world, no leader, no general, no nation has impacted the world quite like Jesus and his resurrection. No one has touched that. The very date that we're gathered here today is 2021 years from what? From the life of Jesus, our calendar in the majority of the world is based around this. B.C., before Christ, A.D., we live in now, Anodonomai, means in the year of our Lord. Our calendar is built around it. There is not our legal system. So much of what we have around us today is built on this. The teachings of Jesus, his death on the cross, and his resurrection. Let me read to you. Um, if you've got your Bible with you, I'm going to read a number of passages today. Um, but if you want to switch it on or whatever, I'm going to look first of all at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is known as one of the first creeds. And this is the Paul teaching the church in Corinth. And this is what he says, uh, verse 1 right through to verse 17. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you stand, by which you are saved. For if you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Verse 3. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which was also received to me, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Christ died for our sin. He didn't die because he had to die. He chose to die. And he chose to die for your sin because there was no sin in him. He done nothing wrong. They couldn't find anything in him other than the declaration of him being the Son of God. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And he was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. And he was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. And then he was seen by over 500 people. Everybody say 500. 500. Jesus was seen, risen from the dead. In total, by about 518 people seen him raised from the dead. This is not just like one person who kind of made a story up. It's not even 12 people who made a story up. It's 518 people seen Jesus risen from the dead. To whom the greater, and Paul goes on, to whom the greater part remained at present. And some, though some have fallen asleep. What is he saying here? He's saying, 500 people seen him raised from the dead. If you don't believe me, go and ask them. They're still alive today. When he's writing this to the church in Corinth, some 40 years later, he's saying, go and speak to them. Some of them are still alive. And they seen Jesus. And they had with them on the beach. They had a barbecue with them. They walked with them. They seen him alive. If you don't believe my words, go and speak to them. After that, he was seen by James and then by all of the, the apostles. And last of all, he was seen by me as one who was born out of time. I'm the least of the apostles. Why is Paul saying, I'm the least of the apostles? You've got to remember the guy who's writing this. The guy who is writing this hated Jesus. He was one of those people who persecuted the church. And he had a radical conversion. And now he's speaking out of his conviction and his experience. I'm one of the least of the apostles to whom not worthy to be called an apostle because I was persecuted, I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. 
and by the grace towards me um, is not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than all, yet not I, but grace of God, which is seen in me. Therefore, where I have preached to you, as has been delivered. Verse 14, let me jump down to verse 14. Very important. And if Christ had not been raised from the dead, then my preaching is empty, and your faith is empty. Verse 17, jump down to verse 17. Of 16 and 17. For if the dead are not to rise, then Christ has not been risen. And if Christ is not risen, then your faith is futile and you're still dead in your sin. This is why we gather here this morning, church. This is why we gather every Sunday because we are living in a resurrection power that says that our faith is not futile. It is not abstract. It is not something where we're just hoping that Jesus rises raised from the dead. He did rise from the dead, and so therefore we're not dead in our sin. Death has been conquered once and for all. Now we are living in a perpetual rhythm of grace and a perpetual season of goodness because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. Whenever the women came to the tomb, what, what did the angel say to them? Why are you seeking the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. What did they do? They went to the 11 and they told him the story. They told him the story. Jesus is alive. The resurrection is not some mythical idea. The resurrection is not like tooth fairy stuff. The resurrection is fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the cross and on the, he was in the tomb on a Friday. That's where they talk about the third day. He was in the tomb on a Friday. He was in the tomb all day Saturday and he was in the tomb on a Sunday morning. And on the Sunday morning, the woman came to the tomb and the tomb was empty. And the security guards, they panicked. In fact, there's a bit of like divine comedy in what happened here. If you read Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 8, it says this, that uh, when they assembled with the elders, they consulted together and they gave the guards a large sum of money. And they said to them, this is great. Listen to this. Tell them, tell the governor, tell anyone who asks you that his disciples came at night and stole the body while you were sleeping. Can you imagine the soldiers going to Pilate and saying, while we were sleeping, the disciples came and stole the body? There's, there's three big issues with that. Number one, you were sleeping? <laughs> like, you, were, you have a job to do. If you're a Roman soldier and you fall asleep on your guard, you're a dead man walking. So number one, you were sleeping. Number two, our biggest fear was the disciples were going to steal the body and you let it happen. And then number three is the divine comedy of it all. If you were sleeping, how do you know the disciples stole the body? I mean, they're absolutely, and it says actually in the passage to this day, this story is still told. Of course it's still told. I mean, can you imagine the humor of it? Why we were still sleeping, the disciples stole the body. Well, they have CCTV or something. I mean, it's, in, it's comedy, isn't it? It's a ridiculous idea. So what happened on Resurrection Sunday? Let me tell you what happened in Resurrection Sunday. The disciples didn't steal the body. God raised them up. If there was a robbery that day, this is what the robbery was, that Jesus robbed Satan of the keys of death and hell and gave us eternal life. Let me be very, very clear to you today. There is nothing in this world that Jesus has not overcome. Nothing. I don't know your situation. I don't know your predicament. But you know what? You don't know everything about me either. But I know this. There is nothing too difficult for him.
John 16, 33, Jesus said this, I have told you these things that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. In this world you'll have trouble. Anybody have trouble in here? You're going to have trouble. But you have to remember the next part of the verse. Too many Christians just live in the first part. I have trouble. I have trouble. Well, how are you doing? Well, you know, I'm just under the circumstances. I'm doing okay. And, you know, this is my problem. I don't have enough money for this. And, you know, my family's sick and I can't do this and I can't do that. And people have chosen to take the first part of the verse. In this world, you will have trouble. And what have they done? They've positioned themselves in the trouble. And they said, well, do you know what? Even Jesus said, you'll have trouble. But Jesus said it to your heart because I have overcome not your trouble, but I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. He that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. Where do we position ourselves today? We don't position ourselves under our circumstances. We position ourselves above our circumstances because Jesus rose from the dead and give us victory over all the works of the devil, every single one. And so today, don't you dare for one minute position yourself in your circumstances, in your trouble, or under your trouble. Because God's given you the grace to rise above that. But by the grace of God, you know, people, if you're here today, listen to me very carefully. If you're here today and you're not a Christian and you're sitting and you're trying to process all this, I totally understand that there is a lot for you to process today. I remember the night that I became a Christian. I have no idea what the preacher said at the front. Roger Carswell, evangelist, got up and spoke for 30 minutes. I haven't got a clue what he said. I just knew that at that meeting, God was on my case, and I needed to make a response. I knew that God was doing something in my life, and I needed to make a change. And I had an idea in my head that Christianity is just for weak people. But I found myself in a position that day where I thought, I'm weak. I am weak. This is not me being a tough guy. I am weak, and I need help. And there is no better help than the help that comes from the Lord. Jesus said, take heart because I have overcome the world. Deuteronomy 28, great passage of scripture. A lot of it, I'm not going to read it all today, but you make a note, read it all the way through. This is what Jesus is saying. The, ble- God, the Lord is saying, the blessing and favor that will come upon you and the blessings and favor that will come upon your life when you establish yourself in the word of God. God will make you the head and not the tail. God will position you above and not beneath. Don't you choose to live this day like everybody else because we're not like everybody else. Are you with me? Social media will tell us and told us over the past year, oh, fear this, fear, fear, fear. Television adverts in between every little program, more adverts, more fear, more fear, more fear. I am not going to live in fear. I'm going to live in fear. God will look after me. God has taken care of me. He's taken care of my family, and God is using it for good. When we went into this pandemic last year, my wife lost her job. Now she's working full-time with me in Crown Jesus Ministries. When we went into lockdown last year, my son could barely play four chords on a guitar. He's leading worship tonight at CFC. God is using it for good. God is using this season for good because I have positioned myself today in the things of God and the Word of God. Are you with me? Are you with me? So Jesus never cursed anyone. He cursed a fig tree once. He cursed the fig tree to give us an illustration and the dangers of not just Israel, but also the church today. 
because he's expecting fruit from our life. If you know the story of the fig tree, very briefly, let me tell you the story. Jesus goes past a fig tree early in this season, and it's got leaves on it, but it's got no fruit on it. Because it has leaves on it early in season, you would suspect to find little figs on it. You'd find some fruit, fruit on it. Jesus found nothing on it. It's the only time you see Jesus cursing it. He gets angry with the Pharisees and the religious people, but he curses the fig tree. And then they go past the fig tree the next day. And the fig tree is dead from the roots down. What's the message there? I'll tell you what the message is there. God is loving. God is good. Today is the day of grace. Today is the day of mercy. If you call out to God today and say, God, help me, he will come and help you. But there will come a day when he is also just and he is also a God of wrath, and he will not let you off the hook. And just as he looked at that fig tree and said, you're, you're pretending that you're fruitful with your big leaves, your big flurry leaves, but actually there is no fruit in you. And that's the judgment that can come to the church, and that's the judgment that can come to each of us. If we just have big religious leaves, big religious leaves, but there's no fruit. The true test of your life, and the true test of this church is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And then after that, we've got the gifts of the Spirit that exercise after that. But there's no point saying, praise the Lord, hallelujah, praise the Lord, hallelujah, but there's no fruit from your life. Are you with me on that? The fruit is most important. Resurrection Sunday. I wonder, do you know Jesus? I wonder, do you know him as a risen Savior? Because he's coming back again one day. The first time Jesus came, he came as a suffering servant, a type of Joseph. The next time Jesus comes, he's not coming as a suffering servant. He's coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's coming to rule and to reign. And all the things that you're seeing in the world today, people, they are signposts towards Jesus' second coming. Jesus said it himself in Luke 21, said, these are the signs to watch out for. War, famine, earthquakes, pestilence, disease. He talked about them being like the birth pains before his coming, that there will be an increase in more and more of these things. And then, do not be afraid. Everybody say, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, because then the end will come. Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back for his church, and he's going to bring his church with him. So do not be afraid. Jesus is coming soon. Look at the signs of the times. Jesus is coming soon, and God is not going to leave you behind if you put your trust in him. You know, Amanda and I, uh, over the past uh, year or so, have just been doing a little broadcast in the morning on our, on our Facebook page. And we've done about 170, 180 broadcasts most mornings uh, just sharing the love of God. And we did a little series on the end times. And I had a few people who reached out to me afterwards, and they were quite emotional and said, Mitch, I've been going to church all my life. And I've been absolutely terrified of the second coming. I've been terrified, even though they're Christians. They said, I've been terrified of like the rapture and all of the, uh, before the rapture, this tribulation and all the things that I'm going to have to go through and I'm going to have to suffer this. And, you know, somebody's going to try and make me take a mark of the beast. And if I don't take the mark of the beast, I'm going to get my head cut off. And they'd read all this stuff and they were filled with fear. And I thought, my goodness, Jesus never intended the church to live in fear. He intended the church to live in anticipation. Are you with me? Here's what's going to happen. You're not going to go through seven years of horrible stuff because I've got a good father in heaven and he'll take you from it. He'll look after you. 
There's a lot of complications of what will go on, what will not go on. But I know that I know that I know that I know that I have a good Father in heaven. He will take care of me. Are you with me? He will take care of me. And these seasons that we're going through, it's trouble. But hey, Jesus has overcome the world. Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, you can be forgiven today. You can be set free. You can start a new life, a new walk with Jesus today because this church, people, is what we call a full gospel church. And that's very important that you bear yourself in there, a full gospel church. What do I mean by a full gospel church? Well, by the end of the 18th century, there was a group of people, and this group of people, mostly around North America, a Zusa Street revival come out of it. When they started to and they started to read their Bible and say, hey, there is nowhere in here that tells us that the supernatural gifts of the church have deceased. There is nowhere in here that tells me that the gifts are no longer in operation. They looked for it, and they couldn't find it. And so they came to the conclusion, if, if there is nowhere in the Bible that says that they've ceased, then they must be alive today. And so they started to ask the Holy Spirit for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to become alive in the church again. And over the last hundred years, the full gospel movement has been one where we believe in Jesus as the Savior, the Healer, the Baptizer, the Coming King, and the gifts are in operation today. Amen? And that is very, very important. You know, some people say, oh, well, you know, I, I don't believe that the gifts are in operation today. And then I go, well, talk to me about that. Do you think that God was kind of sitting going, right, how are we going to grow this church? How are we going to make this thing, like, kick off? Because if Jesus goes to heaven, what are we going to do? And they say, I'll tell you what we'll do. Probably for about 30 or 40 years, we'll keep the gifts going. Just to like give it a bit of a kick start. But then we'll pull them out. What sort of teaching is that? I'm going to have to drink a coffee. Listen, if a cough, it's not COVID. It's just a cough, right? But this is what we need the church to be today. We need to be a church today as a full gospel church. That we are open to the move of the Holy Spirit, because we are for signs and wonders. And this is a day and an age, trust me, where people are looking for hope and meaning. And Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. He is still building his church. He's still in the business of building his church. It's a time for harvest. The harvest is coming. You believe me? Maybe you're here today, and you're not a Christian. Today's your day. Today's your day not only to become a Christian, to become a missionary in the harvest. Because the corn isn't going to pick itself. On Good Friday, we had two services at our building at Crown Jesus. We're not a church, we're a ministry, but we had two services. And then we went onto the streets of Belfast with a big cross. And the streets are quiet because most of the shops are closed. We got a chance to pray with some people, people who have all kinds of sickness and disease. And we thank the Lord that God is still working. God is still a miracle working God. Nothing too difficult for him. Jesus' name is greater than the name of cancer. Greater than, we prayed with people that day who had cancer. One guy from, from Bangor actually has, comes to mind. Then a chap came along. His name was Stephen. And he said, what are you doing? Before I got to speak to him, he came to me. What are you doing? I said, we're praying with people. Stephen, do you believe in prayer? And he started to open up. He's an alcoholic, homeless. He's just lost his, uh, just out of Mugabri prison. Got, just got a lot of mess. Looking for meaning, looking for hope. And uh, I said, Steve, I can pray with you now. I pray that Jesus will come in. Be your personal Lord and Savior. 
rescue you, give you a hope, give you a future. And he said, I'd like you to pray for me. Give him a little booklet. Um, I've got some with me today in my pocket. Um, it's the way, it's the gospel of John. And I put some at the front this morning. If you'd like to, to take one of these, maybe as a sign that you're recommitting your life to God, or as a first-time decision, at the end you can check a little booklet. And I told him on the street, Stephen, Gospel of John's got 21 chapters in it. 21. Now, if you go to the doctors and you're sick, quite often they'll say, there's your tablets. You take them three times a day for a week, and you'll feel better. I said, Stephen, if my maths is right, I want to listen to Sharon. I'm not the smartest, right? But if my maths is right, 21 chapters. If you read a chapter, breakfast time, lunch time, dinner for a week, you will have read the whole gospel of John in a week, all about the life of Jesus, his teaching. And I said, I promise you. I promise you. I went that far with it. It'll change your life. So we prayed the prayer. We came, invited Jesus into his heart. Some people say, how do you know he definitely was a Christian? I said, listen, I'm not looking over God's shoulder in the lamp book of life. I don't know who's in there and who's not. I just take it as I find it in front of me. If someone says, I want to be a follower of Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin, and they invite Jesus into their life, that's good for me. You good for that? Finished, amen. And he said to me, can I have another one? And I said, it's a good start. He said, I tell you, he said, I, I've been... He's homeless, but he's living in a hostel. And the hostel actually looked down on where we were. He pointed up to it. He said, my friend came into my apartment and rapped the door and said, see those guys down there. Go down and see what they're doing and see if they can help us. So I went down to see what you were doing. He said, and you've led me to Jesus. Can I take one of these and lead him to Jesus? I'm like, I know Christians. I spent 25 years trying to teach him to be an evangelist. He got it in 30 seconds. He got it in 30 seconds. This is good news. I just need to go and get it out. I'm closing. I'm just going to invite you to, uh, to stand with me. Uh, the worship team are going to come back up. So if you're comfortable and you're able, I'd like you just to stand. <coughs> you know, I, I love Easter for, for lots of different things. I love Easter for the Easter eggs. And uh, I love Easter because uh, we usually get a nice Sunday dinner. So no pressure, Amanda. We usually get a nice Sunday dinner on Easter. I love Easter because Easter Monday and Tuesday, more often than not, are times where we spend a bit of time together as a family. But I love Easter for all of those things. But I love Easter, first and foremost, because it's Easter that brings us all in the right relationship with God. I want you to listen. I know you've had lots of information to take on this morning. I want you to listen to the next two minutes as if your life depended on it, because maybe it does. And then the band, I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen. After I share, I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer. It can be a prayer of recommitment or a first-time decision to become a follower of Jesus. And if you pray that prayer for the first time or as a recommitment, I'm going to ask you to respond. And the band will be quietly playing in the background, and I'm, I'm going to invite you to respond. I'm going to invite you to respond just by putting your hand up very quickly. Just Mitch, I prayed that prayer. And then at the end, you can take a little booklet. And if you want to chat to some of the team here or chat with me, uh, I know we've got 
COVID restrictions, so I don't want to put that pressure on you. It's whatever you're comfortable with. But it's very important that you make a public declaration. And that first public declaration is the one you make just to me and, and the band who may be seen putting your hand up. Why is that so important? Because Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. If you, can, if you can't stand up for Jesus here in the safety of, this, of a loving church, you're never going to do it tomorrow. If you can't do it in a safe environment here, you're never going to be able to do it when you get home with your friends. And so this is the first step, believing in your heart and a public declaration. You with me? 2,000 years ago, a girl about 15 or 16 years of age from a dusty rural town got not only a message from the Lord and from an angel, but the Holy Spirit touched her in such a way that she became pregnant with the Son of God. You see, the, the death of Jesus and his resurrection is so significant because there's something of the blood of a father that goes into the child. And Joseph is not the father. God is the father. And this young girl gave birth to Jesus in Bethlehem. And for 30 years, he lived in integrity. And at the age of 30, he started a supernatural ministry, declaring himself to be the Son of God, giving teaching that you won't find in any other book in the world, unique teaching about marriage, about prayer, about loving our neighbor, goodwill and kindness, outstanding. And after three years of supernatural ministry, the religious people couldn't cope with him anymore. And they declared him to be a blasphemer. And they crucified him on a cross. But when Jesus died on the cross, let me tell you something. The Romans didn't kill him. The Jews didn't kill him. Mitch's sin killed him. Your sin killed him. Because the bottom line is this, folks. All of us are separated from God. God is holy and we are not. And either you pay for your sin or someone pays it for us. East Belfast, we have a phrase. If you do the crime, you do the time. Either you pay for your sin or someone pays it for us. And that's why Jesus died on the cross, to take the punishment that you and I deserve. And it doesn't stop there. Because three days later, he rose again, not only declaring himself to be the Son of God, but proving himself to be the Son of God. I can take you to the place today where Muhammad is buried. I can take you to the place today where Buddha is buried. I can take you to the place where Father Abraham is buried, Elvis Presley is buried, George Best is buried, but I cannot take you to the place where Jesus is buried because he's alive. Are you with me? And if you today will just a prayer away, if you will just call out to God today and say, Lord, help me, he will come into your life. He will come into your life and you can be born again. It's not about just believing. It's about being born again by the Spirit of God. If you're ready to make a recommitment or a first-time decision, would you pray with me? Everybody pray. Everybody pray. Would you pray with me? Most important decision you'll ever make in your life. Most important and no better day to do it than Resurrection Sunday. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for my sin. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for my sin. I am truly sorry for the wrong things that I have done. 
forgive me. With your help, I turn away from everything I know to be wrong. Lord Jesus, will you come into my life? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Would you set me free from addiction? Would you bring healing and wholeness to my body and my mind and my spirit? And help me to live for you. Help me to live for you. And help me to worship you in spirit and in truth. I love you, Father God, for sending your Son to die for me. In Jesus' name, amen. While every head bowed and eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer today for the first time or a recommitment, I want you to have the courage. Just lift up your hand saying, Mitch, I prayed that prayer. I've recommitted my life today. I prayed that prayer for the first time, just where you are. I'm looking across. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for all that you have done. Just lift your hand. I'm going to just count down from 10. Five, four, three, two, one. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you've done. Thank you for this church, Lord. We pray you bless this leadership. Put your hand on Karen and her family. For the Nabi family, Lord, keep building your church. Keep building your church. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship together. Thank you for joining us. We look to God that he will direct your steps and blessings through this week. For more information, visit us at bangercommunitychurch.co.uk or find us on